I used to think that this was my town What a stupid thing to think I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man Hello, Three Swings listeners. It's Rhea Butcher. This is episode three. What a wonderful conversation that was with Greg Proops at our last episode, huh? I mean, I don't want to be like, it wasn't really a conversation, but it wasn't. He was just teaching me. <laughs> it was so wonderful. He's such a wonderful guy. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, please download it. And then also please listen to the first episode. If you haven't listened to that one, there's a wonderful conversation with Josh Gondelman, who is also a wonderful human being. This episode, we have an interview uh, with a favorite internet pal of mine. She's an editor at Shondaland. Her name is Kendra James, and we talk uh, Cubs fandom. Arr, you understand. It's a wonderful conversation, and that is going to be up at the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I've gotten so much great feedback from everybody and wonderful questions. We've decided to do a bit of a, a mailbag slash rosin bag segment this episode, and we're going to keep doing it. So please uh, keep sending those questions to at uh, 3 Pod on Twitter, at uh, 3 Pod on Instagram, which is kind of weird to send a question on Instagram, but hey, if that's what you're going to do, hey, maybe you're taking a Twitter break, a Facebook break, I don't know. Uh, we're also on Facebook, 3 Swings Podcast. Um, and at Forever Dog Podcast Network. That is not what the Twitter handle is. I added something else. <laughs> you understand. It's on my Twitter. Hey, I'm a little bit delirious for multiple reasons. I'm going to tell you why. Also, shout out to Jason Isbell and the 400 unit for Hope the High Road. I listened to that song the other day. I was carrying a hammer that I had just purchased from a hardware store. And I wondered, why is everyone being so polite to me? Oh, it's because I have a hammer in my hand. But I was listening to that song again. Man, every time I hear it, Oh, I just love it so much, and that's why it's on my show. So thanks again to that lovely gentleman and his band, and happy birthday to Amanda Shires. Uh, that was yesterday, I think, which is now tomorrow. Anyway, I don't understand how time works. I'm exhausted because I was in Orlando over the weekend, and thank you to everybody that came out to the Orlando show at the Orlando Indie Comedy Festival. It was so much fun, but I did a dumb thing, which is I thought, hey, I'll just fly in same day from Los Angeles to Orlando. Who does that? I do. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. <laughs> I literally got... Well, first of all, my flight was delayed two to three hours because some glue had to dry. I am not kidding. I mean, hey, I want the glue to dry because <laughs> I want my plane to be uh, one piece. Well, it's a bunch of pieces, but they're supposed to be connected. So I want them to be connected. So we had to wait. There was some unseasonable Los Angeles weather happening. It was very chilly and humid. Two things that glue does not like, which is like, hey, maybe just get another plane. <laughs> Did y'all not read the back of the glue? <laughs> uh, but they had to keep kicking it back, and the pilot was out talking to us, handing out snacks. It was a whole bizarre thing. I had to listen to a guy in Crocs just, like, scream about a Lincoln Town car that he got. <laughs> and then some golf course, like, these men just, like, gathered together. It's so funny to me that people... Like this sort of old timey feeling of like women just gabbing around. Like if you get a bunch of men who are strangers who are within the same age range at the gate of a, of an airport, like they will scream about nonsense forever. If you let them, they were screaming, screaming so loud about just everything they were talking about golf. Then at one point, the guy was like, I like a Dodge. I dive, drive a Dodge. Like he was seconds away from being that Will Ferrell, Ferrell sketch on Saturday Night Live. It was just 
It was bonkers. Um, so yeah, then I flew the four and a half hours to Orlando, landed late. Um, the the gentleman and lady who uh, drove me were, or I think, well, he was from uh, Mansfield. Shout out to Mansfield, the 419. <laughs> I only know that because he told me. Um, and I'm not sure if his wife was from Ohio. Uh, but anyway, they drove me uh, to the thing and it was, I dropped off my bags at a hotel. I got back in the car. I went and did a show, and then I went back to the hotel. I watched five seconds of Waters World on Fox and was like, oh, this is why the country is going to hell. Got it. Okay. Um, and then I fell asleep for three hours. Then I got up. I <laughs> rode a lift um, with someone from the Bay Area who screamed at me when I said I was from Akron. So frustrating. I can't help where I'm from. <laughs> it has nothing to do with basketball. I was just born there. Thank you for driving me in your vehicle. Then they dropped me off at the airport. I got on a flight and I flew back home at six in the morning. I don't think I was even in Orlando for eight hours. I, 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 you are probably doing the math screaming at me. Um, but I was in Orlando for the shortest amount of time and just thought, yeah, this will be fine. And then on top of all that, I got to LA at nine in the morning and I got in my car I changed my pants into baseball pants and I went and had a scrimmage with my baseball league <laughs> because I'm dedicated. And then I, I played for about two. We had to change fields because a little league team showed up. Um, so I took some batting practice and almost did a home run in batting practice. Granted, it was a little league slash softball field. However, I've not ever hit anything even remotely close to the fence. I'm more of a ground ball hitter. You understand. Put it in play. Make them play the ball. Um so that was nice. And then we played a scrimmage and then I couldn't hit the ball for shit. Although I did get an RBI. Uh, a run is a run. But it, it was a ground ball just past the pitcher. <laughs> but it was a bit of a slinging blunt. Who cares? Slinging blunt. You understand. Swinging blunt. So thanks to everybody that came out to the Orlando show. And along those same lines, I'm going to be on tour this spring. Um, sort of coinciding with uh, baseball. I don't know why I decided to leave town for opening day but that's what i'm doing going to a lot of baseball uh towns not going to see a ton of baseball because um schedules aren't lining up but i'm going to try to swing by some ballparks and at least take some pictures and stuff so that should be fun um on march 30th i'm going to be in baltimore at the creative alliance on march 31st i'll be in lancaster pennsylvania at the chameleon club on april 1st not kidding I'll be at the Arts Quest Center in at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Glad to be back. Um, on April 2nd, I'm going to be at Union Hall in Brooklyn. I have two shows. Those are sold out. I'm not sure if there's going to be a few walk-up tickets. Maybe give them a call. Not sure. If you have social anxiety, tweet at them. I don't know. Um, April 5th, I'll be at the Woodward Theater in Cincinnati, Ohio. April 6th, I'll be at the White Rabbit Cabaret in Indianapolis, Indiana. April 7th, I'll be at the Tiger Room in Fort Wayne, Indiana. On April 8th, I'll be at the Pyramid Scheme in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Friday, April 13th, woohoo! I'll be at the Ready Room in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'll be ending it all, just the tour, <laughs> not everything. I'll be wrapping it all up, <laughs> wrapping my whole life up uh, on April 14th at the Record Bar in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm hoping to check out the Negro League's uh, uh, Hall of Fame Museum there when I'm there. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to choose that over a game. But I, I'm kind of more excited about going to that. Um, and you can get tickets on my website. I have links to all the tickets at riabutcher.com slash live dates slash. There's an extra slash in there. I think if you just go to riabutcher.com, you can click on another link and that'll send you right to it. Um, it's also in all the bios of all my 
websites. So I just want to let you know about that. And then the other news that I wanted to tell you, a little personal news, um, Take My Wife, the television show that I uh, created, starred in, wrote with uh, my wife, Cameron Esposito, uh, who's going to uh, soon to be guest on this podcast, um, is finally out. It's on iTunes. Um, last summer, we got a second season of the show and then the network was canceled. <laughs> I'm not sure. This seems it's perhaps the first time this has ever happened. Um, our show wasn't canceled. The network on which it would stream was canceled. Um, and so we didn't know where it was going to go for a while. Um, but now it's on iTunes. So you can get season one and season two. So if you didn't have CISO, um, if you were in Canada and you didn't get a chance to get CISO or you just didn't get CISO or whatever, for whatever reason, um, you can get it on iTunes right now. It's $9.99 for each season, which is very affordable. Um, we don't make any money on it, so it doesn't really do anything for us other than I just want, um, you know, not only like my hard work and my wife's hard work, but everybody that worked on both seasons of the show, everybody who was in both seasons of the show um, worked really hard on it. And we got a really awesome opportunity to just make like a sweet, fun television show um, about our lives and about uh, people and being in Los Angeles and being a young married couple. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think it's, I'm very biased, but I think it's a great show. It's fun. It's not mean. <laughs> you know, a lot of people worked really hard. We got an opportunity to work with a bunch of directors this season and our s director in season one, Sam Zwiebelman, was very awesome. Just like got to meet some really amazing people. And um the outpouring of support on the internet has been absolutely wonderful, so much so that it's doing really well on iTunes, and so they are going to open it up to some uh, international markets, which is really exciting because that's always like the first or second response is, why isn't it in Australia? And I don't have control over it. Otherwise, I would be just... My, the spray chart of Take My Wife would be all over the field, just all over the field. But um, luckily... It's doing so well, and thank you all so much for buying it and downloading it and spreading the word. Um, it's going to open up to some more markets. So hopefully that keeps moving and more people get to see it because, hey, it feels like there's a lot of gay people all over the place, <laughs> but there really isn't. Um, and so it's just wonderful to get that show out there. And uh, there's a lot of shows about stand-up, but there's not a lot of shows about stand-up that aren't straight white guys. And there's a lot of straight white guys that I like, and they're very funny, but we got to make a show about stand-up from a different perspective. And um, I think that's also really important, too. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just want to let you all know about that. Um, we're going to be doing the mailbag, mailbag slash rosin bag. Should we just call it rosin bag? I don't know. We'll get there. And then uh, a new segment that we're calling Scouting Report, which is just some recommendations that I'm going to give to you. And we'll be right back after this. So if you're looking for some bad news... You can find it somewhere else. Last year was the son of a bitch. And we're back. Uh, so this is a new segment. I'm just gonna call it Rosin Bag. That it has not a Rosin Bag only has to do with baseball. It has nothing to do with questions. Um, I mean, I guess <laughs> not everybody uses one. So that's where the, I don't know. It just feels right. We'll, f I'll figure it out. <laughs> Brett and I were laughing about it in between segments. Hey, it's a, I don't know. <laughs> Pine tar, I'm sticking it to you. I don't know. All right, I'm going to answer some questions. We got a lot of amazing questions, so I'm not going to get to all of them this episode. We're going to save some for later, um, but I like that. Uh, so we, the first one is from at peculiar underscore ski. I'm curious, uh, 
though re your suggestion that Lacroix vetoed the trade to Cleveland uh, for the reason of not wanting to wear the uniform. That seems like fairly unfounded speculation. Never said it wasn't. Uh, and my cursory Google search didn't turn up any hits confirming or denying this notion. I know players with NT clauses, uh, no trade clauses, veto trades all the time because they don't want to go to a certain city. I'm a Blue Jays fan. But I've never heard of a trade being vetoed for Jersey reasons. Are there any instances you're aware of? Would be fascinated to learn about this. Um, the reason I brought it up originally was this was something that I heard through the grapevine. And I uh, am not going to say who I heard it from <laughs> because I, it's, an, it's a baseball player. And uh, if I was to divulge that information, then it would be a problem. And it was given to, it was told to me in confidence. And so... I'm kind of going out a little bit on a limb by even talking about it, but I think that the fact that anyone has that uh, in their mind means more than one person probably has that in their mind. I'm not saying necessarily that Jonathan Lucroy didn't want to go to Cleveland simply because of the uniform. I think my my original point was it can't help. <laughs> you know, like when we're, we're talking about Cleveland, the team goes to the playoffs all the time. Um, not all the time, but recently. You know, they've been making a push. Obviously, last year they fell short. But they're not a team that's, like, in at the bottom of the barrel all the time. So why would a player not want to go there? There's got to be more than one reason other than, I don't want to live in Cleveland. I mean, if he's he was a rental at that point um, when he was uh, with the Rangers. Like, he... Or when he went to the Rangers. He... he he wouldn't have to stay there, you know? So if he, he doesn't want to play for a team that's in Cleveland, but it would just be for like three months, to me, it's got to be more than just like, I don't want to go to the city of Cleveland. So that's just me sort of guessing and me just like, I mean, I am making it up. <laughs> this is an opinion-based show. I'm not trying to, uh, <laughs> I'm not following under the fairness doctrine thing, which is a federal law that we, got rid of um, in 1987, one of the last things that Reagan ever did. Look it up. I talk about it all the time because <laughs> everyone's like, how did Fox News even happen? Well, the fairness doctrine is exactly why. Um, but yeah, I'm not like some commissioner of baseball or anything. I'm just talking about my own thoughts and opinions and stuff. And I thank you for asking your question in a very uh, in a very nice way. You can disagree with me. I mean, I don't know. I probably won't ever get to talk to Jonathan LaCroix. I don't. I was very close to him in a game last season, and I didn't ask him then. I thought about it. I really did. Um, and then I heard the sound of a fastball hitting his glove, and I was like, "No, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't need to talk to this guy." But I do think that um, I, I think there's just some players that don't don't want to wear that, and I think that's a powerful thing. And um, you know, Cleveland's not going to have it in two seasons, so it will be irrelevant. Um, there might be players that won't won't want to wear that name. And it's not irrelevant to think like, oh, maybe somebody doesn't want to put that out there. Like, I'm not putting it out there anymore. I'm not a professional baseball player, but I don't wear it because I'm um, agreeing to it when I wear it. So those are my thoughts on the Jonathan LaCroix uh, no trade clause. Uh, I don't think I answered your question, but it is just a, a, an opinion. So thanks for writing in. Looking forward to more questions. Um, and then at Mike Bates, SBN, he's a columnist for at MLB Daily Dish and podcaster for uh, at TWIB History. I'm 
just reading the acronym because this is the kind of day I'm having. I'm actually going to be on his podcast, which I think is coming out the same day as this podcast. You're going to get a double dose of me. And guess what I talked about? That's right. The Cleveland baseball logo. So if you want me to um, scream about that more in your ears, you can download that podcast. He asked this wonderful question. What are your general feelings about bullpen carts and specifically about their potential rehabilitation and reintroduction? Mike, thank you for bringing (laughs) bullpen carts into the forefront of my brain for a solid 45 minutes today while I was eating my lunch. I forgot about these things because I didn't watch baseball in the 70s. Um, And I found a wonderful article on uh, Cut 4 by Michael Clare about the life, death, and rebirth of the bullpen cart. Um, I'm not going to go verbatim and read through the whole thing, um, but it's a wonderful rundown of the bullpen cart. I think (laughs) they are ridiculous. Um, I think it's very funny. I think it's also funny that Casey Stengel, not to be outdone by the White Sox, rented a hearse from a funeral home. A full, full-blown full hearse Cadillac uh, for the Yankees. Very funny. Um, and, of course, Cleveland was the first team to introduce the bullpen cart, um, and they were referred to as Bush League for doing so. <laughs> and they called it the Little Red Wagon, which on its own feels like nothing. But then when you put it in the context of Cleveland, you're like, God damn it, everything you do sucks. Um, so I think, I think hey, I, I like them as this sort of historical uh, moment, you know, in baseball of the 70s with like basically just a big helmet floating through the outfield to bring your pitcher uh, to the mound. There's also a pitcher in the article who like refused to get into the thing and would run next to it. I feel like if there, of course it's the Diamondbacks that are introducing this thing. And I'm sorry to Diamondbacks fans because I have no problem with you. <laughs> it's your team. And hey, this is coming from a person that's the same thing, that has the same thing going on. First, it's a pool in the outfield. Next, you bring the bullpen. It just feels like a rich kid sucking up to the principal and being like, we're going to speed up the game all by ourselves. Like, come on. I just look, it's goofy. It's silly. I don't understand. I personally love the image of the reliever running in from the bullpen to like charge to the mound and like fix a game or end the game. Like I just, there's something very like, I guess like primal about it that I really like. I'm also not a pitcher, but I can imagine that the run from the bullpen to the mound is definitely helpful for like setting your frame of mind and um, heart rate and adrenaline, all that stuff. I would imagine that that is pretty helpful. And also a lot of pitchers just walk, which is also like has to be setting some sort of internal, you know, um, clock and adrenaline setting. Like, I just feel like, I don't know. I'm unsure of all these, uh, play clock changes and, and you understand me. I, I, I don't care. Like the game, I will watch a seven hour baseball game. I don't give a shit. I do understand that this sport is trying to keep up and all that, but I I really feel like baseball is in a renaissance right now. People are watching it a lot more. It feels like it. Maybe it's just because I'm watching it. I think everybody else is like Donnie from Big Lebowski. Um, Like just everything starts and ends when I enter and leave the thing. But at the same time, it does feel like people are more into it than they were. Um, And I feel like the internet is a perfect space for baseball to exist, 
for people that don't want to watch a full long baseball game, friend of the show, Paul F. Tompkins, watches the condensed games on the MLB app. Like, it, it's already there. We already have all the things. You can watch clips from it. You can watch a single at-bat. I mean, they condensed the at-bat immediately after the at-bat in every game. Like, it's already there. I don't feel like we need to... And also, there was a spring training game recently. I forget what team A.J. Ellis plays for, if he's still with the Marlins. But anyway, the umpire uh, got hit with a foul tip or a wild pitch or something and clearly needed a moment to, like, catch himself. And he went out to his pitcher to, like, give the umpire a moment and so then there was this conversation, well, does that count against the six mound visits? You know, it's like, come on, what are we, football? This is ridiculous. Like, I, the few times that I've watched football recently, I'm like, I could barely watch this before. And now we're watching every single catch and the ball, like, the ball is bouncing in between the body and the hands. And so it's not a catch. Come on. Like, you're basically dissecting the sport into nothing to just like HD reviews of every single thing. Um, so I was originally talking about bullpen cards <laughs> and now I'm talking about dissecting the game into nothing, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Like we're just adding all these rules to somehow like try to get the right recipe for making a millen a quote millennial watch this, but like, what are, what are you doing? Like people are watching the world series work backwards from there. You can't expect people who aren't hardcore fans of something to watch 162 games. You you just can't. And like there what I would be doing is focusing on filling smaller market stadiums and uh getting smaller market teams uh a little higher up on the radar and that's my call on the whole like but that's like democracy so nobody's going to do that. They just want to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible. So I asked people on Twitter to send me some questions be today because I was recording the podcast today, which it is Tuesday. Um, and this lovely person care at Careless Care Bear <laughs> wrote me, when is it appropriate to move in together? Is there really a timestamp for it or will it just feel right? Then I had to say, I meant specifically baseball questions, but I will answer this adorable question anyways. Um, I feel like, you know, every now and then, if you just have a question that isn't baseball related, I'll answer it. If you need an answer, you can come to me. I don't need to be rigid about this. I mean, I think that you can never know exactly. I couldn't tell you um, a very specific amount of time. I do think be hesitant to move in together too quickly. And I would say too quickly is 30 days. <laughs> Anywhere, uh, you know, within that time frame of 30 days. Hey, if you want to move in together on that 31st day, then you know what? You're just going to do it. And nothing I'm going to say is going to stop you from it. But I do think that, you know, moving in together is a contract because you are moving in to a place. Um, I think that it is something that's slightly better than getting on your cell phone plan with someone else. Because that even more is a contract that you have to get out of. And that's more difficult. I did not get on a family plan with anyone until I got married. Like, for real. <laughs> I was like, this is a contract, and I don't want to have to break it. Um, but I, I I, don't think I've moved in too quickly. Um, and I think that you'll you'll figure out when it's right. And I think the, the main thing to figuring out when it's right is communicating about it. Um, and if you need to get out of a situation or something like that, I don't know, by all means, do it, you know? Um, but try to take it easy. And then when you move in with each other... Um, just spend some time communicating about 
the things you like to do in your space. Try to, to collaborate as much as you can. I think that's a difficult thing to do when you're younger and moving in with somebody you move in and it's like just, oh my God, what have I done? Um, you just have to work it out. So anyway, that's what I would say is do take your time. You'll know when it's right. Give yourself at least 30 days. <laughs> Don't move in with somebody within 30 days. That's definitely too quick. Um, but if, you, if you're, uh, that doesn't count if you need a housing situation. Um, so then I'm going to end, I'm going to end this one. Which one am I going to end it with? You know what? I'm going to end it with at Rachel Lindholm's question of who are some players you admire for their work off the field? Uh, at what, what would do do who is uh Sean Doolittle and at Anthony Rizzo 44. That's not what it is. I said it wrong at a Rizzo 44, uh, come to my mind right away. Um, you know what? I would just go with those two actually. Um, because Sean Doolittle does a lot of awesome work off the field, not just, uh, with charity work, um, his work with wounded veterans and veterans in general, but I just think he's like just a solid dude who, um, is, really into his partner, Aaron Doolin, uh, who's also just an awesome person, which I think is super cool. <laughs> it's just awesome to see like just a straight white dude be like friends with the partner that he's married to. Um, congrats to those two. Um, he's also just like very vocal about he's he's uh, been vocal about, I believe, Charlottesville um, and has said, you know, I I'm a white player and more white players need to talk about this. Um, and I think that that's super valuable. Uh, and I think it's awesome that he understands um, what that means. And then Anthony Rizzo, obviously his work with like uh, childhood cancer stuff is really awesome. He, you know, he's also like a big fan of restaurants, which is, you know, entrepreneurship, which I think is very cool. Um, and then also his, uh, you know, speech at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was also rad that he took time out of his uh, spring training to do that. Um, he was obviously very personally affected by that and uh, powerful to see a guy like that um, out there. And I think something that I hope, and I mentioned this later in my interview with Kendra, I hope that if it's not Anthony, then I hope somebody else does it. But I hope that somebody on a major league baseball team talks openly about gun control, <laughs> sensible gun control. Maybe a lot of you disagree with me. Um, I'm not talking about the government taking away everyone's guns and no one being allowed to have a gun. Um, what I'm talking about is uh curbing the rampant issue that we have going on uh there was a ban on that rifle and it it lapsed during uh george w bush we did not have the kind of violence that we have now during that time so it's not something that's out of the question i don't a lot of people disagree with me i have gun owners in my family i will likely be a gun owner by inheritance at some point in my life so i'm not speaking outside of the community I grew up with hunters. I have a female cousin who is a hunter. I highly doubt that she uses that weapon. That's not hunting. That's just killing things. Um, so anyway, I hope that somebody in sports, even just any sports, I hope that a, a man in sports speaks out against that because I think similar to what Sean was talking about um, last season, about speaking out about, uh, you know, uh, quote, anthem protests. It's not anthem protests, police brutality. Speaking out about that as a white person in solidarity, I think is a very important thing. So similarly, I hope that some players, uh, like white players, players that 
look quote look like gun owners speak out against it specifically um because i do think that if the things we say are just we got to fix this without saying specifically how we think to fix it it's really just not gonna change so anyway those are my very controversial thoughts on trying to curb a very serious issue on a silly little baseball podcast, but I do think it's important. Um, so this was the first rosin bag. <laughs> um, thank you so much for writing in your questions and please keep those coming. Send them to us uh, at three swings pod on Twitter and at forever dog. Um, yeah, send those to me, and then we'll be back with our first round of a, another new segment. Hey, it's new segment day here in Three Swings Pod. Um, we're going to do the scouting report. We'll be back right after this. I know your time, you ain't sleeping well. We're back. This is Three Swings. I'm Rhea Butcher. I had to take that a bunch of times because I got sick on a boat. Shout out to anybody that was on the Joko cruise. Sorry I didn't get to see any of you. <laughs> I was stuck in my room very sick. I got a real weird cold. I don't think it was this flu, but I still have a cough and weird shit in my face. I am functioning like a human being, um, but yeah, I was real sick. So shout out to you all. This is another new segment that I'm going to do on occasion. Um, this is the scouting report, which is some recommendations from me, Rhea Butcher. This first recommendation I actually finished while sick on the Joko Cruise. Uh, my first recommendation is I Never Had It Made, Jackie Robinson, an autobiography. This was uh, the source material for the movie 42, which I enjoyed. I didn't think it was perfect, um, but shout out to Chadwick Boseman for playing everyone in a movie. Um, I There were some really great moments, and I thought that the relationship between Jackie and Rachel was uh, portrayed wonderfully and beautifully. Uh, and realistically, that was the thing that I really walked away from um, in that movie that I really liked. And I highly recommend if you are a baseball fan and you haven't read this book, um, I kind of can't believe it took me this long to read it. Um, it is definitely an autobiography. What I love about it is it's it almost feels like transcription. Like it just I can feel the recorder and I can feel the writer just sort of like fixing it a little bit but really it just feels like you're listening to Jackie Robinson talk which is a really awesome way to read a book I haven't read that many books that are like that most of them are like flourished and all this stuff I really loved reading this experience because when I recently got back into baseball I'm not sure I think within the time that I wasn't watching and then getting back into it the Jackie Robinson day had been implemented and seeing it for the first time with everybody wearing 42, I was just really struck by what that visually looks like and and how tremendous of a of a gesture it is. Um, and just that alone was uh, so moving to see every single player for an entire day wearing one number um, that no one can wear now um, that is in every stadium. It's just a really powerful thing um and then you know since really seeing how sort of whitewashed the idea of jackie robinson has become in conversation um most announcers during games doing color commentary 
don't really talk about the reality of what Jackie Robinson had to go through. And I think that's a real disservice to the man and to the game. Um, so I'm really grateful to get to read this book because I feel like it fills in all those gaps that have been sort of closed off um, and how hard he actually did have it and <laughs> what he was doing because he was getting it from all sides. I mean, he was definitely there were people that supported him. It's not to say this whole thing was negative, but I just the thing that I really walked away from after reading this book, I just couldn't stop thinking about all the relationships of people who weren't major league baseball players and how large of an effect racism has on a human being and their relationships because Rachel Robinson and Jackie Robinson had to go through this thing together. Um, they were separated a lot because he was on tour and she was going to school and all those things. And like, just, they described like how much of an effect this had on their relationship. And this was not just him playing in uh white baseball. It was them trying to buy a house together. Like a lot of this stuff it's not, you know, we tend to compartmentalize and like all of these things, racism is happening at every moment of someone's life. There are these tiny moments, big moments that they can get away from it and go home and be in their environment with their family and get away from it. But then now, nowadays you have the internet and you go on Twitter and then it's there like this. And and I have empathy and understanding to some extent, as a, a queer person, because it's it's not the same thing. It's similar um, that it's so hard to get away from it. There's this line in the book that I'm trying to find the page. And of course, I can't find it today where they're talking about um, uh, Jackie's talking about trying to buy their first house and how difficult it was, because as soon as they would go look at a house, suddenly it would go off the market or suddenly the price would be uh, jacked up and Something that he says in there is that it was so difficult because they didn't know if it was because they were black or because they were famous <laughs> and people thought, oh, these people have a lot of money, so we're going to jack the price up or both. So like you're just uh, caught in this moment of why is this happening to me? And there's a line where he just says, either way, it's frustrating to be treated differently. And that's the bottom line, <laughs> I think, for anybody that's. Um, you know, fighting against injustice. That's, I think, what we're all talking about. Like, nobody, you know, his autobiography is titled I Never Had It Made. He didn't want anything more than to just go do a job, you know, whether it was being in the army, running this Freedom Bank, working for Chock Full of Nuts, or playing for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Like, he just wanted to do the job he was assigned to do. That's it. Nothing more. <laughs> no special treatment just it's frustrating to be treated differently than everyone else and uh i think this book is is just a wonderful sort of remnant of a man that much like martin luther king jr has been turned into the, these like idioms and only a number and like oh look what he did it was so wow he did such a great job i can't believe he wow blah 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 like whatever i mean he had he he died young and it it was not simply because he he was in bad health because of everything he went through. I mean, it's it's anyway. Uh, I just highly recommend this book if you're a baseball fan. You should definitely read it. Um, if you're a fan of Jackie Robinson, absolutely read it. If you're a fan of um, evolving viewpoints, definitely read it. He campaigned for Nixon. 
um, because he felt like Nixon was looking him in the eye and telling him the truth, whereas John F. Kennedy, he met with the man and John F. Kennedy did not make eye contact one time when they met with each other. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I wouldn't want to work with that guy either. Um, He then later is like, yeah, well, Nixon didn't turn out to be that great. He also, um, you know, Greg and I talked about it earlier. He was a Republican and he tried for seemingly his entire life to keep the Republican Party essentially from becoming the party of Goldwater, which is what we have now, Um, because he was like, I'm I'm very terrified of this party becoming 100 percent white. And then it did. And he was like, I don't know what to do now <laughs> there's some really interesting politics that he talks about like the north versus the south and that it was actually easier to get um to to work with someone like lyndon b johnson who's from texas than it is somebody like john f kennedy who's from the north because of just the differences in society there which i find to be very interesting and still lingering if not just fully apparent this day in this day. So I highly recommend um, this book. There's a wonderful introduction by Hank Aaron. Um, so I think it's absolutely wonderful. Very, a pretty quick read. It's only like 350 pages. Um, so I highly recommend I Never Had It Made by Jackie Robinson, his autobiography. And after you read it, watch 42. Um, it's a it's a cool movie. I wouldn't say it's like the best baseball movie ever made, but I, I think there are some very touching and wonderful moments in it um, and well acted by the Black Panther himself. Um, and then I also want to make a recommendation of a book that I am kind of taking my time with uh, in a way. And I'm sure that I'll, I'll touch upon this book again later. And I'm hoping to get this person on our podcast uh, to talk to her about this book, but she recently or is going to have a baby. So I think she might need a little time and maybe can't be on a podcast right away. Uh, But uh, the book I want to recommend is Baseball Life Advice, uh, Loving the Game That Saved Me by Stacey Mae Fowles. And this has a foreword by R.A. Dickey. And it is just like a wonderful love letter to baseball in a way that I relate to a lot. There is um, just a wonderful chapter uh, called Watching Like a Girl that I think is... I could not describe this feeling better than Stacey May Fowles does. Um, it is everything that you've thought. <laughs> it's feelings that you've had. Um, it's just a wonderful chapter about being an outsider in a thing that you so desperately want to be and are an insider of. It's um, such a wonderful chapter on that feeling of going to something feeling like you're part of it and then sort of being pulled out every time you, you know, go on the internet or read an article about, article about ladies' nights <laughs> in baseball. Um, I'm only, you know, that many chapters in, which I think this is like the fourth chapter. I'm just really taking some moments with it. Um, it's just a wonderful book about baseball and what it's like to love baseball. There's a moment she describes um, watching the Toronto Blue Jays in, uh, I believe, 1992 of uh, seeing that catch and just saying like this moment that she was she was 13 or 12 or something and just ready to be um, awed by something and that it caught her right in that moment and she didn't realize how uh, like blessed she was or lucky she was to be watching this team uh, be so good and I just kept thinking like that my version of that is I didn't realize how unlucky I was <laughs> to be watching a team fail so so miserably <laughs> over and over again. Um, it's just a funny, uh, you know, two sides of a coin. Um, and then also, this one is out of left field. 
I just want to give a recommendation to the movie Annihilation, which is still in theaters right now. And then I I don't think it's going to be in the U.S. on Netflix, but it's going all over the place in Netflix, like everywhere else. Um, I went to see it by myself in the middle of the day. Um, I highly recommend seeing it that way. It was a real interesting way to watch a movie. Um, and I tried not to read too much about it going into it. And it was a bonkers movie experience. Um, not only was it amazing to watch five women in a movie like that, um, it was... Alex Garland is very good at sci-fi. I had some problems with um, Ex Machina, but I still nonetheless enjoyed the film. I wasn't like watching it hating the movie. I just didn't necessarily enjoy the ending per se, but hey, what can you do? Um, I just think he's doing sci-fi in a way that really, oh, it's just wonderful, um, visually stunning. I think he has an economy of words in a way that sci-fi is just, oh, it's very, it's tremendous when sci-fi doesn't uh, pull a whiteboard out to tell you what's going on. I really enjoy that when they can just give it to you in a sentence because there's some very, I, I guess you could say, highly intellectual stuff in Annihilation because it's like science or whatever, but he explains it in like one or two sentences and then you're like, okay, I get this. Um, I just, I really liked it and it's very rare that I go see a movie and then think and want to talk about it constantly for like days after going to see it. Uh, and this movie is one of those and the performances are absolutely wonderful. Um, I love Natalie Portman in it. I'm, I'm a big Portman fan. Um, but she was great in it. And then I think that Tessa Thompson has, I mean, everybody, hopefully that's listening to this podcast already loves Tessa Thompson. Cause if you don't stop listening right now, you're not allowed, <laughs> but I, I, so I, I think I'm, you know, I'm definitely like repeating things here, but Tessa Thompson has like quite possibly the biggest range in Hollywood right now. I'm just saying this on every podcast that I ever appear on. She is tremendous. And I remember seeing, I watched Creed by myself in the theater in Toronto. Um, and I just remember being like, who is this person? The whole time I was watching this that movie, just going like, who is this? Where did they come from? I don't believe this. Like her performance in that is tremendous. And then in Ragnarok, and then she's showing up in Westworld and doing bonkers stuff just immediately. Jump she just jumps off the screen every time she's in a movie. And in Annihilation, she's like then just a completely different character that I've never seen her do before. And I forget that it's Tessa Thompson. I just uh if for anything, go see it for that. If you're a person who doesn't like scary movies, and I don't like scary movies. This only has, uh, like, two jump scares in it, and then one absolutely terrifying scene that's about 45 seconds long. You can do it. I handled it. I don't know how I did, <laughs> but I, it's, it's like, right at the perfect pacing of being able to deal with how absolutely terrifying it is. <laughs> like, he drops it right at a moment where you're like, well, I can't walk out now. And I just sat straight up and put my elbows on my knees and watched the scene. There's a gentleman in my viewing who got up no less than seven times, for sure. <laughs> like, and the bathroom was very far away. I think he was just honestly walking outside for a second. <laughs> but uh, hey, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But I do think it's if you're a big fan of sci-fi, of, you know, like subdued action movies, of women in movies, um, of well-written movies, of interesting visual movies because i think a lot of the stuff was done in camera too please give a watch to annihilation so my recommendations on the first scouting report 
on the first scouting report are I Never Had It Made by Jackie Robinson, an autobiography, Baseball Life Advice by Stacey May Fowles, and Annihilation, a movie in theaters now by Alex Garland. And we will be back right after this with a wonderful interview with my pal, Kendra James. Hey, Rhea Butcher here. You've been listening to my podcast, so I'm still talking to you because this is an ad. And it is an ad for Tomboy X. They make absolutely wonderful underwear. I had no idea that I could find underwear that fit not just me, but me. You understand. I spent so many years, it feels like, just standing in Target in the women's underwear section, trying to find something between a boy's hipster brief long underwear thing. And then also going into the men's section and trying to get underwear. It's too bunchy. Some of it fits. Some of it doesn't fit. I could just never find anything that fits until I found Tomboy X because they make wonderful underwear. It's in all kinds of different patterns and colors. And then the fabrics are different. I keep screaming about this micro modal, but it is like the only underwear that I like. And it honestly feels like you're not even wearing any underwear. They make bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, boy shorts, Soft bras, racerback bras, everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, and brilliant colors. And all options come in extra small to 4X. So not only does it fit you, it fits you. You understand? So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. Get it? Anybody. Anybody. You you understand. So go to TomboyX.com slash baseball and check out their special bundles and pack pricing and three swings listeners get an extra 15% off with code baseball so again code baseball for an extra 15% off ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of tomboy x underwear right now go to tomboyx.com slash baseball Awesome. We are back. And I have an amazing guest on my podcast. Uh, she is an editor at Shondaland.com and also a hilarious uh, Twitter person who is a big baseball fan. Kendra James, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so stoked to have you on the show and talk to you about baseball. Yeah. Um, I think we became uh, pals via another pal on the internet. I think that's how, because she was like retweeting you and I was like, this yes. person is into baseball. <laughs> I just am like, is there a person into baseball? Like I collect baseball people um, and then uh, found out you were a Cubs fan. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, can't wait to talk to you about being a Cubs fan. I was born into it. No, I, I understand. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to talk to you about is just like baseball fandom and specific Cubs fandom because I know it's it's. It's a little deep. It yeah. runs a little, just a touch. Just, People tend to be somewhat fanatic about that team. Yeah, just a little, you know. Yeah. So what is like your earliest memory of baseball? Uh, so my earliest memory of MLB specifically, because yes. I've been playing softball since mm -hmm. I was like three. Awesome. And my dad was like always coaching my teams and that sort so of thing. So softball right away, not t-ball? Yeah. Um. I guess, you know what? Maybe I did do t-ball. I have like vague memories of that. Yeah, that yeah. probably happened. But I do like I remember like very specifically like softball. Like, oh, yeah. That, that's been a part of my life forever. But MLB specifically, I remember Carrie Woods uh, 20 strikeout game. Oh, wow. Like I have <clears throat> deep memories of we were sitting on a couch in the basement. We still had those old ugly like we had these like black and 
tan 80s couches oh yes um and i remember sending me right back yeah <laughs> and like wood panel basement oh yeah wood couch panel- in a basement is yeah. speaking to me yes wood panel finished basement <laughs> and i remember watching i don't think i watched the whole game but i mm-hmm. do remember like my dad getting like progressively more and more excited as yes. the game went on and i think i must have gone down to sit and watch the rest of with him and i remember just like the excitement of that yeah um but i was not like a fanatic uh, Cubs fan at that point because I was, was at 97 so I was like nine yes 97 98 something like that so I was nine or ten yeah um but I think my fanaticism started somewhere in like the early early aughts um and I think part of it had to do with the fact that I left home I went away uh to school and so I was kind of like looking for something to latch on to that was like real and physical while I tried to make actual friends totally <laughs> um and baseball happened to be that thing that i like clamped onto yeah and it kind of keeps you like connected to home and connected to family and it like gives you something to talk about with family and friends and stuff exactly yeah, yeah. something it was like yeah because the playoffs in 03 that was my first uh <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry it's it's okay i'm over it and like i just I'm... i mean i would imagine that you are now now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that feel like actually <laughs> Um, that was a weird feeling. I mean, that's like a whole discussion in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Because I think the the things that happened in the succession of that week in November yeah. were strange. Right. The Cubs won the World Series and then <laughs> yes. Donald Trump was elected right. president. <laughs> also, I would like roll you back even further to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers right. coming back and beating uh, the Warriors and uh, like that being a crazy upheaval. Yes. And, and I would just feeling like sports is bonkers now. Like right. I just remember that whole year, everything that was happening was like just the craziest possibility you could think of. Yeah. And that would have been what, June? Because I was June 19th. Yeah. Joe. Wow. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So June 19th, that happened. But if I take it back even further into February, let's take it back even further. I just remember I made some tweet because I think. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court, he spoke for the first time in like 20 years, I think offering like a dissent or something. And he never does that. Yeah, he doesn't do that at all. Yeah. And I remember tweeting that day. I was like, this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Clarence Thomas has spoken. Yeah. And I think I I tweeted like Clarence Thomas just spoke. I think Donald Trump's going to be the president. I think the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Right. And then that happened. And yeah. I and I like have always joked, I was like, I think Joe Madden like made some sort of blood sacrifice. I would not put it past that dude. No, he's, he's a, got so many plastic dude. bracelets. I mean, I just <laughs> You gotta make the money to fill up the RV. Gas isn't cheap these days. No, it's not. He likes to drive that thing. All he over. drive from Florida to Arizona. Yeah. yeah. He does. Oh my god. Ugh. I mean, there's like stuff that I like about him and that stuff that I'm like, ugh, I can't roll my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, I think we just have to <clears throat> respect the office of the president. Oh, shut go. up. <laughs> I, I always think about like he because I was talking recently about uh, Dave Roberts's mismanagement of the World Series this past year. Yes. And I wouldn't necessarily say that Joe Madden mismanaged the 2016 World Series, but I feel like they overcame some management obstacles. He made some choices. That he threw out there. Um, But yeah, that was such a wild... And I also... And this was pre-Clarence Thomas. (laughs) This was actually the day after the 2015 World Series. I made a prediction that it would be Chicago and Cleveland. Amazing. I didn't say who was going to win because I was like, I literally don't know. Because like, honestly, everyone is sort of... You know, whoever wins writes history, right? So... 
looking back on it, it was actually a very evenly uh, matched up World Series yeah, between I mean, those two. Any I think any World Series where you get to Game Seven, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> right. I mean, they not were they. I can't even remember if Cleveland won 100 games that season, but like we're talking about two uh, World Series in a row with at least almost 100 game winners yeah. on both sides of the thing. It's just like a tremendous uh, series. So what was that like to watch the Cubs win the World Series? So I was at a bar in New York City. It was a Cubs bar, um, Triona's, I think it's called, down in Union Square. And I had watched a lot of the playoffs games there because mm-hmm. um, we had thought about going to see the Mets uh, Mets and Cubs in that series. Yeah. But the standing room only tickets were like $300. Are you there. serious? Yeah. Oh, it got insane. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and I love to go to City Field. Like I have, I sit in section 426. <laughs> yeah. I know where I like to be. Nice. Yeah. Um, but even those, like those tickets were going for something like three, four hundred dollars. And I'd never pay more than 40 bucks to sit up there. Oh, yeah. So I just I couldn't do it. So we went down to Triona's <laughs> um, and I went with a friend of mine who's also a huge a Cubs fan. Um, and that night I still have videos from that night on my phone. <laughs> yeah. um, when the when Chris Bryant tossed when Chris when Chris Bryant um, tossed the ball to Rizzo. Yeah. The bar like just erupted. Sure. We everyone started singing "Go Cubs Go." Um, a guy. I was standing on a table filming all of it on my phone, and a guy just—he wasn't trying to be malicious. He was just so excited that he took his glass like beer steam oh, no. and threw it against the wall. Oh, I, Jesus! I think that was just though like his genuine like burst of emotion. That's just what he had to do in that moment, and yeah. no one was hurt, so I accepted it. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> That's that's kind of the Cubs fan uh, conundrum of just like <laughs> ah! just like throwing every call caution out the window. Right. Yeah. Um, beer exploded everywhere. Like I was like my side was covered in beer. I yeah. didn't give a shit. Like I right. just like it was it was insane and it was weird because we were in New York, but suddenly it was just like the camaraderie. Like yeah. I the, I do not like to hug a random man. Like that is <laughs> hey you you and me both sister. <laughs> right. Then that is not something I do. Like, yeah. But like I was hugging strangers, yeah. like we were crying into each other's arms. I've since then I've never felt anything like it. And sure. I took that, like with literally I I credit that with getting me through like the rest of November. Yeah. Because I was just I was able to ride that high and like ride the memories of that night and like ride do you remember that commercial that played directly after where it was like the little black kid uh, on the south on like No, because I oh. immediately turned the television <laughs> off. Sorry. No, it's all right. I'm loving having this conversation because it's bringing me joy because it's long <laughs> enough that uh, I've like gotten over it to some extent because the opposite for me is true because like then after that and also it, it's so compli- it's complicated because my team is like everyone was like Trump is going down because yes. Cleveland lost and it's like I understand why you would think that uh, the funny thing is Trump is actually both sides of the equation <laughs> right. because we're talking about like Republican ownership of the, the whole rickets. thing yes of yeah. course but uh yeah, like everyone feeling this joy and me just being like, everything is the same. All of this is a waste. And of course, it was like the 3-1 uh, losing, you know, losing yeah. after being up 3-1 and everyone like, because everyone hates LeBron so much, which is I super frustrating to me. I know. It was that. I was able to was, appreciate that. <laughs> it was so great. I just, I don't, I, I try to wrap my head around hating LeBron so much, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because he like it. went back and he won a championship for a city 
that was literally never going to get one without him. And he has helped Akron the whole time that he's been a professional baseball or basketball player. Um, so I really do think it's just like people being dumb. Because one time I was getting like my hair done for a thing and uh, I was wearing a LeBron thing because, of course, I was. I wore his jersey for a solid week after they won. So I totally understand <laughs> your joy in it. Like, I literally felt like, oh, my God, good things can happen <laughs> because like Cleveland just loses so much. Right. I watched them lose so many times well, over the course of my whole life. Do you remember when the Yankees, Yankees in Cleveland, they were playing. God, it was a playoff. It must have been 06 or 07. I don't because I stopped watching after oh. 2000 or uh, 1997. I like blacked out baseball and like sports until LeBron came back. And then LeBron, like we could not win. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say the the Nats. Do you remember? Like when the Nats invaded um, Progressive oh, Field, yes, yeah, that was just another thing where it yeah. was like Cleveland. What is it's, what is happening? Because I lived in I lived to Oberlin, and so I yes. was like in Cle- Cleveland during the LeBron drought when it oh, just seemed yeah. that nothing could go right. For no, them. nothing, <laughs> not a single thing. And it's so uh, you you were talking about like the elation you were feeling with right. strangers and stuff. I went to Game One of that one World Series. I went to Game One and Game Two, and. Uh, that game in particular, the Cavs were getting their rings across like left field and <laughs> Cleveland was just like happy for the first time I had ever seen in my entire life. Like after <laughs> after we left that game, people were high fiving each other like no one ever did that. Like no one <laughs> does that. People don't talk to each other. It's not that people aren't friendly. They're just like not going like go, you know, whatever. Uh, go Cleveland baseball. That's right. not that, what they were saying, but I'm not going to say <laughs> what they were saying. Um but yeah, it's just so it's it's it was so bonkers. But also like what a crazy beautifully poetic World Series also. Yeah. The fact that it's like 108 years, 10 to 8 in the 10th inning. Right. 108 stitches on a baseball, 108 <laughs> beads in a rosary. Like how, how if if you wrote that, somebody would be like, uh, no thanks. Tone this is not down. this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> we need you to rewrite. <clears throat> so <clears throat> What is it like to be a Cubs fan? That's like, it's different now. Yeah. Um, During the 2016 season, it was, ins- it was like, it was weirdly joyful, but it's always, it's always joy mixed with, no, it's not, <laughs> it's yep. fine. Like, let me temper this. Like, let me remember that, like, we sign people like Kosuke Fukudome and like, <laughs> ho- and like, think that everything is going to be amazing. And then, you know, nothing. Nothing. So, I just gotten so you I mean I I lived through was 06 07 and 08 I think were those crazy years where we had like Zambrano and we had the Cajun connection and we had Dero and like all of these people who like we really thought we were going all the way and then it was like we swept the I, we were swept by the Diamondbacks I think Ugh. at some point and I just remember being a Cubs fan is literally always ending like this one picture I remember of Ryan Terrio at third, like kneeling at third base at, after I think they had just been swept. It was the last game and just like staring down at the ground, palms yeah. up like what what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> that is that's always been my image of Cubs fandom. Whereas after six, like 2016, if you say the Cubs to me, the first thing that comes to mind is that picture of um, Carl Edwards Jr. like <laughs> running through the field holding the W flag. Yeah, it's amazing how much like my perspective on baseball has changed. 
So, like, just baseball in general is completely different for you now. Kind of. Yeah. Because <laughs> it now seems like it just feels like I can, we can win now. And it feels like, I don't know, I've, I've always been there and I've never abandoned that team. Like, I've never had another, like, primary number one team. But <laughs> there's just something that feels so different about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very, I mean, I'm. I'm happy. And I'm you know happy what? for you. I rooted. Listen, when they, <laughs> when the Cubs traded Dero and Kerry Wood to the Indians yeah. for that one season, I, I was there. I went to several games and cheered for them. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like to support. I wanted to support my boys, and I sure. kind of like came around on, um, on the Indians for like a, a hot second. Um, God, what was his name? I mean, small market team. Yeah, exactly. See, that's that's what's so. Um, I mean, it's it complicated is the only word that I can think of, because when you're at, outside of it, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be like, I cannot believe you're a fan of this team. Right. And it's like, yeah, I get why you would say that. I, I get that. But I did grow up with this whole thing. And it's like just this team that I grew up with and fell in love with. And I'm not in love with the logo. That's not the love of the thing. No. The love is the team and the spirit of the fellowship of the team and the fandom of the thing. You know, the guy throwing the glass into the wall being totally fine like going to those games and really feeling like a kinship with the cleveland fans and not the cubs fans because i was surrounded by cubs fans at both of those games because um they just generally have more money yeah yeah, and it's real close and it was easy to do um i have like this very distinct memory from game two when aroldis came out and i that was the first time that i was like wait a minute cleveland and i it wasn't the first time. It was the one of many times that I was like, Cleveland and I are not on the same page here because no one booed him. And I was like, come on, Cleveland. This is our chance. And you guys don't give a shit. Like, you guys don't care at all. Do you ever wonder, like, how much, like, the average fan knows about all that stuff? I do. And I wondered a lot in that moment. Yeah. Because I was like, I guarantee more of the Cubs fans know what's up. Right. Than the Cleveland fans. Um and they probably a lot of them probably don't care more than I think. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's not a, an indictment of Cubs fans specifically. It's just of, you know, fans and human beings right. not really thinking like once something is swept under the rug, like, well, we just keep it there. <laughs> that's yeah. why all of our rugs are 10 feet tall these days. Um, <laughs> but I have this very specific memory of him on the mound and we were like just ready to go. It had just been. We had like a bad experience in the seats and like there was a whole thing going on. And so we were like leaving. We were behind home plate um, watching that. And there were Cubs fans to my right. And then there was a Cleveland fan in full coveralls, like Carhartt coveralls, like (laughs) definitely their work outfit, but what they wear all the time and what they chose to wear to a Cleveland baseball game, which is very typical. Um, He was to my left in full thermal coveralls. And to my right were these Cubs fans and they, the guy was like, you know, they really got to make this earlier in the season. It is absolutely freezing. It is ridiculous that we're out here. And I, I was like, number one, how can you be saying this when your team is in the World Series for the first time in a long, 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 long time? You also, you're from Chicago. Give, I, I, exactly. <laughs> you even give a shit about this. And then I'm just turning to this guy who's like leaned up against the pillar in like full Carhartt. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, I will say there is literally nothing. Then again, Section 426. Yes. City Field. Yes. Beer, like July, 95 degrees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, that is hot is baseball, but yeah. there's also something so specific about cold baseball, too. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I remember opening days in Cleveland with snow falling on the ground. Yeah. 
I mean, I remember like waiting the whole. Not anymore, Kendra. (laughs) (laughs) I just I remember like the whole thing of like waiting, waiting for Alfonso Soriano to warm up. (laughs) Yeah. Because you can't play in the cold weather. You sure. can only play in July and August. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but no, not anymore. We don't. Yeah. There's no more snow. There's and no you more guys winter. have that uh, heated dugout, or not dugout, bullpen. Right. <laughs> I did love watching Puig just jumping in there, like, when they were reviewing plays and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. <laughs> we're uh, fancy. <laughs> yeah, we are. There. We got uh, that billboard, uh, that, that oh sign now. It's pretty bonkers. Yeah, I can't. It's, like, really weird to to think about that being there. Yeah, have you you so you haven't been to a game I, since it's I haven't been, been put yeah. Me neither. Cameron <laughs> went last season okay. and she got like good seats and the funny thing about that stadium is that they've done all that updating but the seats are still from, you know, right, 1820 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like for tiny people and you're right. just on top of everybody and her her biggest thing was that the hot dog vendors don't bend down during the pitches. Oh. In that section. Oh, and the beer rude. vendors just all stand up. Yeah, I have only gone to uh, bleacher games at Wrigley, and it was very long a very long time ago. That's kind of the way to do it. That's like the only thing that I've done recently, just because of like money. Like, whenever yeah, I'm interested, absolutely. Because now, like suddenly, those tickets are very expensive. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's cheaper to go to a Mets game like in New York City than it is to go to a. Actually, sometimes <laughs> it's cheaper to go to a Yankees game. Wow. Yeah. Not this year. Not. Oh yeah, maybe not, not this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember when they were, I mean, because I lived in Chicago in 2007 to 2012. Right. And I remember just giveaways constantly to go to like Brewers in, games. Oh, right. To bleacher seats at, at Wrigley. Like, right. You could just walk down the street and you would get tickets. Oh, seven is so surprising, though, because we were kind of like, we were kind of hot then. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Still giving them away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually really interested to experience like because I just moved to L.A. Yeah. So I haven't had a baseball season here yet. And nice. I hear that like it's interesting here. Ooh. In that <laughs> we don't like people here don't get to the games until like the third inning. Yes. <laughs> it's more like the fourth. OK. <laughs> but I don't. I get there for all the stuff. Sometimes right. batting practice, um, which is awesome because I mean, the thing is. It's easy to look at that and be like, oh, nobody in L.A. cares about baseball. And like that is the case of a lot of the expensive seats because it's just, you know, people that's everywhere. And yes, that's everywhere. Um, it's honestly the traffic in Los Angeles <laughs> trying literally trying to get into that ravine, you know, like just lines of cars. OK, the best way to do it. And this is for anybody in Los Angeles is to take a ride share to like the bottom of Vin Scully Avenue and Sunset Boulevard and walk your little feetsies on in there people here don't enjoy the walking i i don't no (laughs) people think it's like there's an episode of bob's burgers where uh todd barry's character gets a hummer and he's just like (laughs) driving it all over the place and bob is walking on the sidewalk and he like goes up on the curb and is like get a car idiot and that (laughs) is what i think about los angeles all the time like it's it's not just like that they don't want to walk it's that there is something uh, gross about walking places, you know. Right, and that 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 is in my hometown too. People like it. Uh, people think you're like poor. Yeah, if you uh, walk. <laughs> no, no, no. You're just healthy and right. you know not spending money. Yeah, no. I just I like to walk places. I like to subway. It's- <laughs> Absolutely. Let me ask you this question: Have you gone to uh, a lot of minor league games or any? I haven't. So I've been to minor league games. I used to um, not. Not MLB minor leagues, but we had the New the Newark Bears. Oh, nice! Um, in Jersey, and so I would go to those like a lot when I was younger. 
Not the same magic, I have to say for me. <laughs> Not the same magic as MLB minor leagues or as MLB? As MLB minor leagues. Yeah. Um, there's, I don't know, I maybe it was because part of me with the teams that I get attached to, it's like knowing the personalities and like sure. getting into, you know, the management styles and sort of the antics and the dugouts and everything. And I just like wasn't, I never got into that with the Bears. And I think that probably played a large part of it. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. So do you have other teams? Obviously, you you have one team. Yeah. Do you, so do you have other teams that you're into right now? Um, I will always like keep the Mets in yeah. a special place in my heart. We used to I hope my parents don't actually listen to this, but there was a period in eighth grade. So my middle school in Jersey was right next to the train station. Uh-huh. Um, and there were a few times where we got on the train and we took the train into New York and then took the subway to Queens and we got you get five dollar um, seats. At, what? Yeah, at Shea. Yeah. Um, and so we went to see baseball games instead of going to school. Oh my god, that's um, amazing. But yeah, so no, I'll always have a, a special little place in my heart for the Mets. Yeah. Um I mean I, I have a little one too, uh, for the eighties Mets because as a kid I was a huge fan of Daryl Strawberry because his last name was Strawberry. I mean agreed. So like how cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> um I have like I, there's like a family member of mine who is a first a first or third base I'm coach. Uh, for the Royals, I think Gary Ooh. Gary Pettis. Yeah, um, yeah, and so I don't know, like, but it's really just the Cubs for me. I'm gonna try to get into the Dodgers. Sure, um, seems like a team that I could like kind of. I'm here. Yeah, there. I think that's like the biggest part. You know, people, whatever. It's it's so. I kind of feel like the Cubs are like the only team that you can say, oh, I'm a big Cubs fan, and like nobody really gives you shit. Right, <laughs> but I could be wrong because I'm not talking about that. Um, but a lot of people, uh. Like I said recently, because uh, Anthony Rizzo um, was Ugh. went down to Florida and everything, and and hey, I'm not going to. He's doing he's he's doing the right thing, but I I also am like, man, if somebody like him said we need gun control now, it would be huge, right? Um, for him him to do that and to make that statement, and I said on Twitter, I was like, if he says we need gun control, I will become a Cubs fan and wear his jersey for the rest of my life. And then people like were like, come on, join us. And I was like, no, 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 no. no I, it's a contract. <laughs> I, this is not just willy-nilly. I'm trying to make a statement here. But it, anyway. I think, I mean, I think that's part of like what's always attracted me to the Cubs too, just like as a more conscious like teen and then adult. They just always seem to be like really good people. Yes. Um, Aroldis. <laughs> the players. Excuse, yeah, the players. <laughs> Yeah, no, not the management necessarily. Though I guess the sister is like, okay, is she? I don't know. Kendra, do you have no idea how many times people have told, reminded me that the sister was a Hillary supporter? Right. And that Theo was. And it's like, okay, but they're not the head of the DNC. Exactly. Or whatever, the finance, whatever. Um, Yeah, just ridiculous. Um, But no, the players always seem to be like, if not like actively like good people, then like at least like decent. Yes. Like they weren't doing anything. Cr- like we didn't have an Aroldis Chapman until we had an Aroldis right. Chapman. Um, Which is what was like honestly so disappointing. Yeah. Of that pickup is that like you kind of didn't need it. No. I, I, I mean, I don't think so. Like obviously you get a flamethrower. You have a flamethrower. You're going to use a flamethrower. But <laughs> at the same time, like you did it. <laughs> you didn't need the guy. We didn't absolutely. Need- I mean, he did play. He had some crucial moments. Yeah. Um, But like. I don't know. It was it was just interesting to think about him and then like think about our other flamethrower, 
Carlos Zambrano, who was not a perfect man. That sure. man loved to beat up a Gatorade uh, container. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'd rather a Gatorade container than a human being. Exactly. A, a human woman. A human woman I'd that rather, you claim to love. Right. I'd rather a fist into a Gatorade container than a bullet into a wall. Absolutely. That's just me. But so, yeah, I mean, I don't... Also, I would point out with his specific controversy is that something that uh, wouldn't make it 100% better, but the fact that, like, they then don't talk about it. Yeah. Like then he he's he's never held responsible. W- what stops him or somebody like Joe Madden from saying, you know, like we know a lot of kids are fans of the game and, you know, like he's sorry for what he did or he 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 understands what he did. And this is not something that you should do. How I understand you're admitting guilt if you apologize for something. Right. Which is why a lot of people don't apologize for things. But at the same time, like I do feel like a sport like literally all sports have a responsibility to the children that watch their game. There's a reason why people get ejected for doing dumb shit. Yeah. Because they don't want it to seem like it's an okay thing to do. So when things are off the field or off the court, I, it's just very simple to me that you just have make a statement about it as there, opposed to just letting it go and then having it be this like, oh, it's PC backlash or whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. He like assaulted a woman, a, a woman that he's supposed to love in his home in their home. Right. So like you should talk about it because we're already talking about it. There is like a strange as much as I I, I love that team. There is a strange apoliticalness to sure. them. Maybe not strange. Maybe that's just all of baseball. I would say is the least political. Right. Of the of the major league sports that we maybe aside from hockey. I don't know if any hockey people are making. Yeah, wild not really. Statements. Uh, not wild political statements. <laughs> but <laughs> Right. <laughs> basic political statements. Um. But there is like an apoliticalness to the Cubs that is not disturbing, but it's upsetting sometimes. I mean, I think the Anthony Rizzo going down to Parkland is the closest they've come to a political statement. I'm not sure Dexter Fowler's (laughs) political thing came until he left. I think he was already a a Cardinal. Yeah. And there was a big, well, because Cardinals fans. Right. (laughs) Yeah. They're Cardinals fans. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, decent Cardinals fans. Yes. You understand, though. Like, look, we're all taking responsibility for the yeah. <laughs> issues they with said our teams. Some real gross things about Zambrano. Really, really bad shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. So he, uh, I guess, someone. He was. He came up against the uh, the travel ban because his wife yes. is Iranian, yeah. I believe, and he got a lot of shit for that. Um. And a, it, a lot of like, uh, shut up and play the game kind of stuff. Exactly. And, like, yeah. And I think, yeah, the Cubs do just shut up and play the game. And the only time you get, you don't get anything big for them from them. What you'll get is someone like Carl Edwards, right, being like, the dinosaurs were really great, which I <laughs> yeah. actually loved. I think that was brilliant. Yeah. He was like, I'm in D.C. I'm going to see the dinosaurs. Right. What else would I do? How did you feel about them going back to the White House? I was I was pissed. It's gross. I was genuinely, I was happy that they had been invited to the Obama White House and yes. they weren't going to, because they pushed it up. Right. I think Obama specifically, like, <laughs> yeah, because he's from Chicago and that makes yeah. sense. He's a Chicago guy. And he's a White Sox fan. Right. And so, he's like, put, you know, because he, he understands what it is. Yeah. And so it was like fun. You know, it's like they go and certain players didn't go and sure. certain players made certain bearded players didn't go. <sighs> certain bearded players whose ESPN <laughs> shoots I have on my wall. <laughs> oh it sucks so bad i know and he made like a really weird i forget exactly what his tweet was but oh yeah like hollywood elites better run for the border i'll help you pack yeah beat it It hashtag mega 
Wow. I, I remember <laughs> it was seared in my brain uh, when that happened that I would. And I, hey, there's uh, like Trevor Bauer, my friend, and I call him the alt-right hander. So I'm not like throwing stones at all because he is like very much like a mega dude and has like gone on Twitter tirades, which I honestly would. I honestly think he might be the reason that Carlos Santana was like ready to go. OK, because like. <laughs> They just he's an asshole and mm-hmm. like nobody makes him be nice. They right. all just have to deal with him. And he's an asshole because he's like into that shit. Anyway. Yeah. No, um, but, but, but yeah. yes, that was like seared into my brain. I mean, I happened. think I just blocked it Because I liked him too. He was my <laughs> favorite. I mean, like what a story. And I mean, I think I also just have a thing for like bearded uh, pitchers. Of I course. Mean, uh, Brian Wilson. That was a yeah. big thing while I was in college. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was like, that specifically was disappointing. And then coming on the heels of him not going to the White House, it kind of like dimmed his star a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, not that he was, and I mean, he wasn't amazing last season. Sure. Uh, so that, you know, that helped as well. Right. Other stars to look to. But yeah, I, where where were we? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I think yeah. we were just talking about political statements, but right. we brought up a dude. I wanted to talk to you about three dudes. I think three dudes on the Cubs, maybe just two. Mm-hmm. Um, but him specifically, Jake Arrieta. We've been chatting about where we think he's going to go. Yeah, he's still as of this recording, um, it has not been picked up, which is bonkers. This whole thing is bonkers, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't as good last season." But I still think it's not always about that for a rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's always about. ERA on paper necessarily. Um, there's something to be said for clubhouse presence. There's something to be said for leadership. There's yeah. always like there's a lot of factors that go into that. I mean, you saw how he pitched in the NLCS, right? right. <laughs> like that's <laughs> and he can turn it on when you need it to be turned on. Yes, and that's a very uh, important thing for a team like I don't know the Twins who don't have a very great rotation and are really trying to make a run for it. I don't think he'd go there. I don't think he would either. I really think he wants to be in Texas. That's what I think, too. Yeah. Because, like, number one, it's the same colors. (laughs) Just be putting on the same colors again. Also, I can't imagine that he's not, like, some big Nolan Ryan head to feel like he's, like, following in the footsteps of Nolan Ryan. Right. And then also he's just from Texas. Right. And that's, like, I mean, I get it. That's where his family is. He's been away from them for however many years. Yeah. Because he was in Baltimore before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, I, that was a terrible fit. Terrible. Um, but, you know, I think I'm thinking Texas and I don't know what's holding up anything. Yeah. Because they don't have really anybody. No. Anymore. <laughs> oh, you guys have you Darvish. I forgot. Yeah. Right. There's a third one that I was going to talk about. We How did- do you feel about that? Um, so this is where a little bit of like my Cubs pessimism like comes sure. back. <laughs> yeah, I can understand how you might be a little pessimistic um, about that. I'm like not excited about it. I'm waiting to see how it plays out. I'm so I'm just like coming off like this Olympics high. So I sure. haven't been like watching. I haven't been really paying attention yeah. uh, to spring training yet. Uh, I don't think he's come. They haven't even had any of their starting pitchers uh, play yet. I don't think. No, I don't. I think you're it's right. It's only been three games. Yeah. Um, and they released a schedule. I guess they're starting next week, possibly. Or maybe not next week, whenever this is released. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the week that this is released. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm holding back on excitement for that. I want to see yeah. how that plays out because we've signed some stinkers in the past. Sure. I mean, the Cubs do like a pitching like project. Yes. You know, but uh, whew, boy, <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever not be mad at that dude. And I I was like. Oh, I felt so bad for him about the like Yuli Gurriel stuff, yes. which I've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you come on. You blew it. You literally threw our World Series away. Right. And you didn't even play for this team. <laughs> oh. 
It'd be fine if somebody like Josh Fields or Kenley Jansen threw it away. Literally anybody that played for the Dodgers for more than one month. But no. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot you guys got him so late. Yes. Oh, that stings even more. It stings even more. <laughs> I'm way more mad at him than Curtis Granderson, who literally did nothing right. as soon as we picked him up. Except argue a foul tip in the NLCS, which I honestly was like, stop, you're going to ruin it. We're going to lose the whole thing because of this stupid foul tip right now. I mean, again, there is something to be saw- said for like elder presence sure. in, the, in the dugout. Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, that's what we got from Jason Hayward for a while. Yeah. That's I mean, all look, we were man, from Jason Hayward you for got a while. that speech from him. Yes. During the rain delay that paid for itself. Yep. I've... Cleveland didn't have that and they didn't win the game. Yep. They all we had was Michael Martinez. That's who we had left to go up to bat. <laughs> Mike Napoli didn't get a hit in the entire World Series. Which yeah, I mean, but it also took oh my god, who uh Javi was Oh off. yeah. Oh yeah. Just off I think until game seven. Yes, I'm pretty pretty sure. At yeah. least he had like defense that he was like right. He bringing was something else something. to the table. Exactly. Um, and then the last player that I wanted to talk to you about, because I was uh, on Twitter last night, just like checking some baseball stuff. And holy shit, Kyle Schwarber. Have you seen? Oh, no. Are you about to end? skinny he is? Oh, oh. He lost like 20 pounds. Okay. And 20 pounds doesn't seem like a lot of weight. No, but for him. He looks so different. Is it's, it all muscle now? Uh, I think so. And he's like a lot faster. He stole two bases in uh, spring training game this past week. Well, but, I mean, that's that could be great because his strength was always like he hits the ball far. Yes. He was not the fastest boy. <laughs> he was. No, he was not. I mean, I watched him steal that base in Cleveland and I was like, what are you guys doing? He's still not there. Let's see if I can find it for you. Yeah, no, he... Um, but I mean, I couldn't. I also couldn't blame him for not being the fastest boy because he came back off I mean, that yes, injury. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Um, but he, yes, it was a little bonkers. Let me. <laughs> it was a moment last night. Schwarber skinny is my only recent. <laughs> oh wow! Right. Oh my god. He's like Chris Bryant size. Yeah. It looks like in a video game where you stretch the dude out to yeah. be like a little bit too tall. But yeah. He's like skinnier than Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Wow. He lost a lot of weight. I wonder if it was Pilates again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But he is like way more agile. Yeah. Well, no, that's good. So, I mean, he couldn't hit for shit last year. No. I, it was funny. Like baseball season last year. I think I was like still. It was hard for me to pay attention last year to a lot of the things that I loved. Sure. <laughs> Just. Oh, yeah because absolutely um and so like i was i dipped so in and out of baseball yeah um and also because i was still riding that high of that win yeah and they won you i mean i that's i think why i got like so into the dodgers and i happened to go to the game where they like lit up like i I think it was cody bellinger's like fifth game Mm -hmm. where uh puig and turner and bellinger went like back to back to back in against the the Phillies where I was just like, wait a minute, something is happening. And it like actually felt good. And it was a distraction from all the stuff as opposed to you were kind of like having this, like, I'm already happy. This isn't going to bring me anything. Yeah. So I will say like, by the time we got to playoffs uh, yeah. last September I, or last October, I was like, okay, I'm like, yeah. I'm ready. Like I did a rewatch of pitch. And then I was like, 
Okay, this is exciting again. I'm yeah. liking these teams. We're all making. I can. I can be here. <laughs> yeah. So, are you excited about this season? You're excited about going to like Dodger games. Maybe? I'm. Like, I'm really excited to go to Dodger games. Yeah. Like, because I've never been to Oof. that stadium. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see the Dodgers and the Cubs play. Like, yes. I love to go to an out of town Cubs game just because we travel. Oh yeah. Um, and I also so I have this like jersey that it. I have a jersey that says impeach and then 45. <laughs> nice. Uh, which the MLB was not make for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I saw a Dodger one at a Cubs game last year. Oh, because yeah. we went to see the Cubs on a Sunday and there was a dude wearing a Dodger one that said impeach 45. I think everyone should have them. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> the MLB, I believe, called it, uh, told me that they do not uh, produce slogans or uh-huh. slurs. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So I had to have They it. also won't let you make a Sam Mayday Malone Boston. Yeah, Red or Sox dead jersey. people. That was the other one. Or <laughs> yeah. no, dead people and retired players. They don't allow. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, because they want you to buy from their own of course. stock. Yeah. Of the three hundred dollar um, jerseys. Oh my god, they're so expensive. <laughs> yeah. But so I kept trying to order this jersey uh from them and every time it would be denied. And I tried so many phrases. I was like, resist forty five and uh, peach forty five. Yeah. Um and so every time they would they would accept my order and then the next day they Deny would reject it. it. Yeah. But then they started sending me ten dollar coupons every time. So I what? kept for the inconvenience. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> so I did it like three more times. So I have thirty dollars of what? I need to use. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but point being, so I like to I like to go places wearing this jersey because yeah. it elicits it elicits a series of reactions. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Yeah. Some people are thrilled and some people are, you know, not thrilled. Not happy. Do not wear that jersey oh, to I w- Anaheim. I wore it to St. Louis. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I I went to uh Angels game last year. Uh, to see Cleveland because I was like, I got to see the team that won 22 straight. Like, I got to go see them. Yeah. And I immediately walked into a dude in a MAGA hat. Wait, tell me about Anaheim. What's what is wrong up there? Well, it's it's a lot. It's very military in okay. Orange County. So like the Angels fans are pretty military. It's very oh. like kind of like the Padres. OK. Have you know, there's like uh, uh the Marines down there. Yeah. Um, And so that sort of. Uh, feeling is okay. is about and that uh, overlap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not necessarily every single person that is uh, military is a mega person. I'm just saying. I get I get where you're coming y- from. You understand, but I'm just trying. You know. Um, and so yeah, that's Anaheim is a little. Oh, interesting. It's a little. I, I, <laughs> it's also a very weird stadium to me. Oh, um, okay. Because when you walk behind home plate, uh, on like the just the first level of seats um they're like you know how there's like the clubs it's like some i think it's a vodka brand owns the like luxury club (laughs) club yeah exactly um you can't see through it it doesn't have like glass windows enclosing it it has like a just a solid enclosure oh so if you are if you have field seats um which you can usually get very cheap field seats in anaheim which is the nice thing and you can take the train down there which is super fun um if you go walk around to third base, you miss the game while you're walking. Through. Oh, that's frustrating. It, it's really weird. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no. It's a really strange layout, but it's one of the oldest stadiums, operating stadiums. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was that old. The 60s. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm excited. Like, I, I'd totally go there, but I'm also excited to finally actually see a game at Petco Park. Oh, yeah. Because I've only been, I've been to, like, Comic-Con parties there. Yeah, but me I've, too. Yeah. I've never, I've never been to a game. Let's go. Uh, yes, let's do it. I'm into it. Oh, my God. Totally. Because yeah. you can take the train down, look at the ocean, yes. and then you go see some baseball. Yeah, go see some baseball. It's also, like, a nice stadium because yeah. I've been to those uh, parties, and I'm like, oh, man, this would be... 
Yeah. This would be a great place for baseball. Oh, I've walked like <laughs> I've walked all over that stadium. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, at night. At Just night. Like, oh, I could sit here. I could do this. Yeah. Nice. They've got an abundance of first baseman now, so yeah. <laughs> it's fun to watch that happen. Just right. play first base all over the field. <laughs> Call dibs on it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kendra, this has been so fantastic. Thanks for being on. And I hope to have you on like during the season again so we can talk about stuff that's actually happening. In oh my baseball. god, absolutely. It's a reason to pay attention. Yay! <laughs> Thanks, Kendra. So Thanks. If you're looking for some bad Oh my god, wasn't Kendra James amazing? Um, check her out on Shondaland. She's a tremendous writer. I love her Twitter presence and her Instagram presence. Give her a follow on there because she not only posts some really amazing old vintage photographs, like family photographs, which are wonderful, but she also posts amazing outfits. She had a She's going through a bewitched period right now, which is just... Oh, filling my heart. That show. Come on. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> and they should. Anyway, I can't wait to have her back on the show. That was tremendous, wonderful. Love talking baseball with folks. Um, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Episode three. In the books. We filled out the scorecard. I got to learn how to do that. I never learned. I'm going to learn this season, I promise. Um, so thanks so much for listening. Remember to uh, review and rate on iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, a tape deck. I don't know. You know, tell your mom you like it. I don't know. Let them know. And then follow us on Twitter. It's at Three Swings Pod. Same on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Like us on Yelp. Do all the things. <laughs> this is Rhea Butcher. You've been listening to Three Swings. And if you liked it, you liked it. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.